This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week by Pastor Gene Amoson. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. Hey, we're going to jump into the Word today. Uh, if you will, go ahead and just turn to Hebrews 2. We're not going to get there for a while, but our series for this spring, we're calling it What a Savior. We're calling it What a Savior. And what we're going to be looking at between now and Easter is just the life of Jesus. Now, how many times do I reference just Jesus in service? Probably almost weekly. But I think one thing that's just kind of interesting is, is myself and a lot of pastors, a lot of times we'll dig into the life of certain people in the Word. Maybe it's somebody like Joshua. Maybe it's somebody like Joseph or Abraham. Some of my favorites, honestly. But what we do is, is a lot of times we don't dig into the life of Jesus while he walked the earth. We'll reference certain verses, but what we want to do in this series is kind of really just dig into the life of Jesus and see uh, kind of what his life was all about, see what he did while he was here on earth, and see how that affects us as well. So that's what we're going to do. And I want to start off this morning by asking you a question. Uh, how many times have you thought, you know, me and Jesus have a whole lot in common? But if you're like me, you're like, no, Jesus is like way up here, and I'm kind of a goober. Anybody ever felt that way before? Like Jesus was perfect and I'm just an absolute goob. No, we don't have much in common. We're going to look today and you're probably going to be surprised at how much you actually had in common with Jesus. Now, I also want to go ahead and say this. He was perfect. Can we ever compare? No, we can't. <laughs> he was not just an average man. So I want to set that in place. But we do have a lot in common with him. And we're going to look at that today. The more I read in the Gospels about the life of Jesus, the more in love I am with him. The more I read about him and the more I see what he did for people and just how he lived, I mean, truly, I'm thinking to myself, wow, what a savior. And so we're going to dig into that today. But what we're going to focus on today is Jesus the human. That's going to be part one of this series, Jesus the human. Now, Jesus was a builder, and he still is. Uh, Jesus was a teacher, and, and truly, he still is. Jesus was a healer. He still is. Jesus was even a human, but not anymore. But he was a human. And there's actually a spiritual doctrine of identification that I want us to talk about just for a minute. Now let's talk about this whole identification thing. Whenever uh, election season ramps up, a lot of times the TV's full of commercials, and how many of y'all, like me, mute those commercials, right? Of course, we have all the commercials, but in addition to that, a lot of times you'll have politicians that get on the road. And what they will do is they'll hit certain types of venues and they try to act as though they can really identify with the crowd that they're talking to. So for instance, if one of them happened to be at an event that was maybe almost like a church event, they would talk about their family's history, maybe being connected in church and how important it was to them. Maybe if they went to a factory or something like that, they would talk about how their grandfather was a factory worker. So they would say, like, I can identify with you. And so that's just kind of the, the idea of identification. But I want you to know that Jesus didn't settle for the illusion of being human. He actually became flesh and he was human and he walked this earth. Amen? So he can truly identify with us and we can identify with him as a result. He was born as a baby, as we know. We celebrate Christmas and it's all about the birth of, of literally human Jesus. Uh, he grew up with a family just like all of us. Um, Mark 6 actually mentions uh, his family. Mark 6 mentions that he had sisters. 
Mark 6 mentions his brothers, and in case you're curious who those were, others, James, technically his name's Jacob, Joseph, Simon, and then Jude or Judas. Let me tell you about those names real quick in case you didn't know. The book of James in the New Testament is actually the book of Jacob because James does not exist in the Greek. So it's actually Jacob. Uh, in addition to that, Judas is in the Greek, but actually comes from Judah in the Hebrew, but they shortened it to Jude in the Greek. So it all goes back to uh, Judah or Judas. But Jesus was sinless, unlike us, wasn't he? We can relate in a lot of areas, but he was sinless. He had his act together a whole lot more than we did. But we're going to see what the Word says uh, about our Savior being human and what that means for us. So go to Hebrews 2, and we're going to start in verse 14 today. We're going to go for about three or four verses. Hebrews 2.14, it says, Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Verse 17, therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every aspect like us. You see that? Made in every aspect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Verse 18, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Your word may say tempted there, tested or tempted. Now I want to ask you, how many of y'all have ever been tested or tempted? Anybody here today? Amen. How many of y'all have been tested and tempted just in the last 24 hours? Anybody? Amen. Let me go ahead and just tell you Saturdays are tough sometimes at the house. I don't know about y'all, because during the other days, we don't see the kids for about eight hours while they're at school. Come Saturday, they're with you all stinking day long. And it's like, all right, it's 4.30. It's time to get ready for bed. You know, I mean, we're just ready to put them to bed at times. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but there's times where we feel like we've really been tested and tempted by our children. Here's the good news. Jesus has been there. He's been tested and he's been tempted. We see that in the word. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points, everybody say all points, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, there's the difference in us and him. Like yesterday, I probably sinned whenever I responded to my kids, Right? Jesus never sinned whenever he was tempted, whenever he was tested, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Isn't that great that we can go and find grace and we can find mercy in time of need? Now, how many of y'all have ever had a need before? Anybody? Come on, it's all right. We have needs. We're humans. We're needy. We have needs. And we can find help in him in time of need. It says that we can go boldly before the throne of grace because he's a sympathetic and a merciful high priest. Y'all, that's great news. I just want to go ahead and tell you. He can sympathize with everything that we deal with because as a human, he dealt with it as well. Come on now. That's good news. And we can tell the Lord, Lord, I'm dealing with this. I've been tempted with this. And you know what? He doesn't sit and just judge us. He says, you know what? I, I've been there. 
I dealt with that myself. Isn't it great that we can talk to Jesus that way without feeling condemnation whenever we just get real with him? Come on now. There, there are people, and this is sad, there are believers who feel shame every time they go to the Lord whenever they're dealing with temptation and stuff. And it was never meant to be that way. Hebrews says it right here. The author of Hebrews wanted to make a point that says, listen, whenever you're tempted, whenever you're tested, you can go to him because he's merciful and because he loves you. And, and, and you can find grace because he's been through it himself and he can completely sympathize with you. Y'all, that is some good news. And I want you to know today that he gets it whenever we deal with that kind of stuff. He gets it, amen? So it's awesome to see that he was human because now he sits at the throne of grace and he understands and he can sympathize. Now, i got another question for you today. Uh, how many of y'all have ever heard the enemy tell you that you have no business being in church with all those holy people because you're just a rat? Anybody ever felt that way before? Come on, has anybody ever felt that way before? Yes. Well, I want you to know that, that Jesus completely understands the enemy's attacks. Because we know in the word that Jesus had a time out in the wilderness whenever Satan threw everything at him he could to tempt him. He went after him just time and time and time again. And Jesus, every time, had to respond with the word of God. But here's, here's what I want you to get. Whenever the enemy's talking to you, don't act like he, like, you know, that means that you're so messed up that he's just talking with you that don't think that just because he's talking to you is because you're all messed up in a complete center. You know, Jesus even heard from the enemy and was tempted by the enemy and was tested by the enemy as well. Amen? And Satan just wants you to get off track. So we're going to talk about three areas of our lives that Jesus understands today. Three different areas. And the first one's this, is that he understands relationships. He understands relationships. In Mark 6, 3... This is whenever people were looking at Jesus, they said, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us today? So once again, he had a family, he understands relationships, and I want to go ahead and tell you, he probably had a dysfunctional family just like me and you as well, amen? Anybody ever felt like their family was just dysfunctional? There were multiple boys in the house together. They probably shared the same room. Can you imagine the chaos with all those boys sharing the same room? Uh, of course, Jesus had to be the favorite. I mean, he was the perfect child, literally the perfect child, right? And can you imagine like just James and Simon and they got tired of hearing like, why can't you be more like Jesus? Why can't you be more like Jesus? It had to get old. But he understands relationships, and so whenever we're dealing with messed up relationships with our family, we don't even have to give him the backstory on it because he knows because he's been there as well. There's been times whenever I've gone to the Lord and I've wanted to tell him about a situation, maybe in a relationship, and I feel like I need to explain to him as if God Almighty doesn't know what it's like to be a human, but he fully knows. So we don't even have to give him the backstory. Uh, Y'all, he knows what it's like to be human and single. I want you to think about something also. We know that we're now the bride of Christ, and so he even knows what it's like to have a bride or a spouse who's been unfaithful because how many of you know we've 
done things that have hurt him many times. He knows what it's like to have children, of course, as God, uh, God has disobedient children. And yes, I'm talking about everybody in this room at times. We've all been disobedient at times. But back to his family, the relationships weren't always good. They weren't always good. So I want to look at just a couple of, uh, a couple of different things. In Mark 3, 21, it says, but when his own family, somebody say own family. We're talking about his siblings, y'all, the people that he lived with. With uh, Whenever his own family heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said he is out of his mind. Now, let me tell you what was happening here. He had basically gone to someone's home, and there was a great crowd that was following him. At this time, the disciples had even been called, and his family all of a sudden is just at a point to where they think that he's absolutely lost his mind. I want you to understand, at this point, his brothers did not even believe in the ministry that he was fulfilling. Just another fact for you. The book of James, or Jacob, like we talked about earlier, Jacob never believed that Jesus was the Messiah until after Jesus rose from the dead. You would think that all the healings would have given him a clue. But his family just did not believe in him because he went from one day being just their brother to the next day acting like he was the Messiah and having a big crowd of people follow him and they thought he was absolutely out of his mind. They weren't happy with it. I mean, again, he was just a carver and then all of a sudden he was acting like he was the Messiah. So he knows what it's like for family to think that maybe you're crazy. Anybody ever felt that way before? Uh, Mark 3, 31 through 35 says, Then his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside, they sent to him calling, and a multitude was sitting around him, and said to him, uh, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But Jesus threw him a curveball. And he said, Who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat at him and said, Here are my mother and here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Have you ever felt like not wanting to claim your family? <laughs> well, Jesus was basically here just saying who the true family of God is. And then let's, just for a minute, because this always cracks me up, um, in John 7, uh, we see his brothers are pretty much over him. And this actually really reminds me of the story of Joseph. Do y'all remember the, the jealousy uh, in the story of Joseph to where his brothers got tired of hearing about him and so they basically sold him into slavery. Well, this kind of reminds me of that. Verse 1 through 5 of John 7, it says, After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. Okay, Jesus was trying to stay out of Judea. Why? Because they wanted to kill him. But soon it was time for the Jewish, Jewish festivals of shelters, and Jesus' awesome brothers said to him, why don't you leave here and go to Judea? Jerks. They're trying to kill you in Judea. You know what you should do? You should go to Judea. And then look, they sassed them just a little bit more. They said, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. And then John, who's writing this, says, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. Man, family is awesome at times, aren't they? Nope, not all the time, right? 
But he understands, once again, relationships with family, but also friends. Think about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It says that Jesus was a close friend of Lazarus. Whenever Lazarus died, if you remember, um, he goes to there, or goes to the family, and Martha looks at him, and she says this. She says, if you would have been here, he'd still be alive. Now, we don't know Martha's tone here. We don't know if it was like a, like a disappointment, like if he would have been here, he would still be alive. Or we don't know if she raised her voice like an anger, as if he wasn't where she needed him to be. But he understood relationships with friends as well. You know, in that moment, he probably felt like he really let them down. But we know that ultimately he was able to raise Lazarus from the dead. He understands what it's like to be deserted by friends whenever you need them the most. One of his closest friends, Peter. Peter was pretty much everywhere Jesus was. He even denied knowing him. Not just deserting him, but whenever they said, hey, you're one of Jesus' guys, right? He's like, I don't even know who you're talking about. What a slap in the face, isn't it? Think about your best friend. If they did that to you, you'd be like, seriously? After all we've gone through. Once again, he gets relationships. The second thing he gets is he understands work. Uh, He came to the earth on a mission, and of course we know that his mission was to be the ultimate sacrifice for us to put us in right standing with God. Can we all agree with that? That's the reason he came. He was going to get on that cross for us because he had to be the perfect sacrifice for us. But I want you to think about this. He was on the earth 33 years, and you want to know what he did the first 30 years? He was a normal person and he held a job as early as he could hold a job until the age of 30 before his ministry ever started. He was a worker. He was a hard worker. Uh, The word says that he was a carpenter and honestly, whenever you look back at it, it could have been, you know, a carpenter like with wood. It could have been something with with stone. We're not 100% sure what kind of carpenter he was, but y'all, he worked just like you and just like me. He didn't lay around the house and be like, well, you know, I am the Messiah and just wait for his time to come, he got out there and he actually worked. And there's a good chance that as everyone is walking into the purpose that God has for him, you're going to work a regular job as well. He wasn't too good to work a regular job, and I just want to mention that we need to be people with a good work ethic. Amen? Amen. It's perfectly fine. Um, Again, he was a hard worker. We can assume that he was probably in business for himself. He even had to, let's think about this, entrepreneurs, he even had to deal with customers who were a total pain. But let's just think about this. How many of y'all have ever had like a project at your house go south with a contractor? Anybody? He would have been the absolute best contractor ever. He would have showed up on time. You know he would have been fair. It would have been done right. We need more Jesuses in the contracting world, don't we? He dealt with liars. He dealt with cheaters. He even dealt with church people who turned on him and said terrible things about him as well, the spiritual types. But he understood work. He worked. And even in Matthew 17, it says that he even paid taxes as well. Uh, Third thing is this, is he understands pain. He understands relationships. He understands work. But he also understands pain. Now, I think all of us have probably gone through some emotional and physical pain at some point of some sort. I'm sure all of us have. And in all honesty, you may think to yourself that nobody could understand what you've walked through. And you may be 
you know, right that nobody in your life has walked through what you've walked through. Maybe you've been lied about. Uh, maybe you've been rejected by some family or, or by some friends. Maybe you've been abused, whether it's physically, um, maybe verbally abused. Maybe you've been mocked by people. And you, you think to yourself, nobody could understand what I've gone through. Whenever we look at what the prophet Isaiah spoke of Jesus, this is chapter 3 and this is verse 3, it says, He is despised and rejected by men. Despised, hated by men. He was rejected by men as well. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I want you to know today, whatever it is that you've walked through, he can completely relate with. While he walked the earth, he was loved by many and hated by many more. He had people who followed him and felt like he was the real deal, and then he had people plotting to kill him all at the same time. He's experienced being rejected. He's experienced being mocked. He's experienced being abused. He was rejected by his family at times, by his siblings. And I want you to know he understands whatever it is that you've walked through as well. If we jump down two verses to verse uh, five of Isaiah 53, it says, but he was wounded. Everybody say wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He experienced severe, severe physical pain like none of us would ever, ever know. I know there's times where we, we hurt and we have a pain and we say, man, this hurts. But Jesus was tortured, literally, practically tortured to death. And we can never, ever even get close to the pain that he felt whenever he was giving his life for us. He was despised and rejected because of his ministry, because of his beliefs as well. And I want you to even think about this. Think about his birth. Not only was he talked about, like people said he was illegitimate, because if you remember, his mother as a virgin conceived Jesus. So of course there was talk about that. Of course Mary was mocked as well. She dealt with some of the rejection and the mocking as well. But he was even called illegitimate as well. As he was on the cross, he was mocked. They called him the king of the Jews. Of course, they, they put a sign up there just mocking him like, yeah, this is, this is who he says he is. And he was actually mocked until his final, final breath. I don't know if you remember, they actually said this to him. They said, if you're the son of God, why don't you come down off the cross? That's always, for me, been an interesting thing to read because here he was hanging on the cross and it probably seemed like he was done with. It probably seemed like you know, he was this close to death. And the truth is, is he honestly could have zapped every one of those people that were mocking him. If we were to just get real, he could have. But he actually said, Father, forgive them. In his lowest place, he, he said, Father, forgive them. He didn't take that as an opportunity to, 
get upset and sin. He just forgave them. And it's the way we need to respond as well at times. But he understands emotional pain as well. As it relates to his physical pain, I want you to think about this. They, they beat him. Uh, they beat him with what they call the cat of nine tails or whipped him with that, which ultimately was straps of leather that had pieces of bone, had pieces of metal in the end of it. And the reason they used this is because it would actually dig into the skin and then it would pull. And so it would rip the flesh. Whenever you look back and you do research on how they tortured people, and with these tools, they said it was very common that you would actually see internal organs by the time they were done with you. Like, you could see the organs that are much deeper than just the flesh by the time they were done with you. They pulled his beard out. They had a crown of thorns that they didn't just gently set on his head. They actually shoved it in. And then whenever it came to putting him on the cross, they didn't tie him up there, people. They drove nails through his feet. They drove nails through his hands. He understands pain. Once again, he was basically tortured until he died. There are a lot of you here today that you're hurting. And it may be from something that you've just recently walked through. It may be physical pain, just a sickness that you're battling may have been a loss that you recently have of a loved one. It may be that you felt rejected, that you've been mocked, that you've been verbally abused, that you've been physically abused. I, I want to ask you a question today. Have you talked to him about it? Because I want you to understand, don't ever think that he can't relate because we see him as God and we think God, a lot of times we see him as Father God and that, that he doesn't understand what we deal with on earth, but y'all, he dealt with it much more than we ever dealt with it. I think to next levels as a matter of fact. So have you talked to him about the pain that you're currently walking through? Whenever you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke in the word, those are what we call synoptic gospels. What I mean by that is, is Matthew, Mark, Luke, if you ever read the word in the Gospels and you read it maybe in Matthew and then you read Mark and you're like, hey, I know that story. I've read it before. Well, that's because Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they share a lot of the same stories and they cover the last year of Jesus's life. So they're called synoptic Gospels. Gospels. Whenever you look at John, John actually covers the first two years of Jesus's ministry. And so you'll actually find some things in John's Gospels that you won't find in the other three. Uh, like, for instance, turning water to wine is one of those. Um, all four of them, though, actually talk about the birth of Jesus and the crucifixion and the resurrection. But there's actually something very interesting uh, in John's Gospel. And I think something that's very cool about John is, is whenever he writes his Gospel, he'll refer to himself he doesn't say me as the one that Jesus loved. I don't think that was a boasting thing. I think he just realized that he was a messed up human being and that 
even in all of that being messed up business, if that's a word, <laughs> that Jesus still loved him. But there's something very interesting that John wrote in chapter 19 while he's hanging on a cross. John says this, it says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother, again, this is Jesus hanging on the cross and the disciple whom he loved, in other words, John saying, whenever he saw me and whenever he saw Mary, whenever he saw standing there, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple, John, took her to his home. I remember reading this years ago and I was thinking, what's that about? Something I want you to get today is that he said this for a reason. He was saying, John, take care of my mother. And he was saying, Mary, mom, John's gonna be the one who takes care of you. You're gonna be all right. You know the reason he had to say that? Because it's believed that in that last year of Jesus's life that Joseph had actually passed away. Now, of course, we know that Joseph was not his true father, was merely his earthly father, but he still knew him for 33 years. But I want you to understand today that, that he's even experienced loss like that. To a point of, he was even telling his mother, he's gonna take care of you. And again, it's believed that this took place in the third year of Jesus's ministry. He knew the pain of family loss as well. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, why didn't he just raise G uh, Joseph from the dead? Why didn't he just raise Joseph from the dead? I mean, we saw him do that in the Gospels, of course. I want you to understand, though, that if he raised him from the dead, then he would not have been able to sympathize with us what it's like to lose family. So by enduring his own earthly father's death, it allowed him to understand exactly what we go through whenever we lose a family member as well. Once again, he's our sympathetic <laughs> high priest. What a savior we have, amen? What a savior we have. Come on, if you will, just stand with me today. I know this is a little bit of a different teaching today. Um, but here's what I'd like to do this morning. I'd like to get some of our elders. Uh, if your spouses are with you, come down. If not, that's fine. And maybe just a few of our other couples, uh, Ambrose's, Carlton's, just, just a few other couples that have been here with us for, for a long time. We can do some ministry this morning. If you're walking through a season of pain, if you're walking through a time that you've just felt like, man, I'm kind of feeling mocked or rejected, or you, you know what it is. If anything I've shared in the last five, six, seven minutes, you're like, yeah, that's what I'm dealing with right now. Come down and let them pray for you just for a little while. And because I really feel like God wants to heal some people today, emotionally speaking, really heal some people. And so uh, feel free to come down in just a minute. And, I, and some of you might just need a hug. Some of you may have walked through something 
and you don't have your earthly mother, you don't have your earthly father, and there's times where you just need someone kind of similar to that to just hug you. There's times where there can be healing that comes even from that. So this morning, come on, if that's you, if you've got any kind of need, if there's emotional pain, whatever it is that you've dealt with, we've got folks down here. Regina's going to be down here for ladies. And come on down and let them just pray for you. And, and Father, right now, God, we thank you for the healing that's about to take place. Lord, for the hurts that some of us deal with that, Lord, maybe we've not even shared with anybody else, Father, for the ones that maybe have felt that they've been rejected. Lord, for those that maybe have been abused. Father, we just speak healing right now to those hearts in the name of Jesus. Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week with Pastor Gene Amoson. Visit the church Sunday mornings at 10 or listen on Renew 96.9.